Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls all around the world. I am, as always, your host Rob Gold on this special edition of the Football and Wrestling Chat where we will get into a lot of football, a lot of wrestling as well. And folks, I want to say a very happy new year to you and welcome to 2024. Now, with that being said, 2024 is going to be a massive year. Not just in football, not just in wrestling, and not just on the podcast, because we will be having specials throughout the entire year as well on the Golden Nugget podcast. So without further ado, we are going to delve into some fixtures from two weeks ago, because I have not been on here since just before Christmas, and we are going to delve into the predictions that I had predicted from two weeks ago leading into the Boxing Day set of fixtures. So without further ado, so first off, we have Villa versus Sheffield United, which finished a surprising draw. I took Aston Villa thinking that they would actually pick up the three points because their home form has been very, very good. And this was the set, first set of home points that Villa dropped in quite some time. So this finished a draw. Then we move on to West Ham versus Manchester United. I predicted a home win, and a home win it turned out to be. Then there was Fulham versus Burnley. I took this one for a home win as well, thinking for Fulham's home form had been good. Burnley haven't been getting results. But Burnley pulled off the surprise package here against Fulham and took, up, took away the three points. Then we move on to Luton versus Newcastle. I had this one down for a draw, but I did say at the time that I felt that Luton could get something against Newcastle because Luton have been playing very, very well at home. They've, they've drew with Liverpool. They've almost got something against Chelsea, which we'll talk about very, very soon. Almost got something against Manchester City and almost got something against Arsenal earlier in the season as well. But this game finished Luton 1. Newcastle United nil, and Luton got the three points. Then we move on to Manchester City versus Brentford, which did not happen because Manchester City were playing in the World Cup Championship, which they happened to win and bring back home with them. Congratulations to them. Then we move on to the next game, which was Forest against Bournemouth. Again, this is a match I thought Forest should win. It's a home game match. Bournemouth have been playing okay, but they're up and down with their form. Um, one match they could win a couple, then the match, the next match it could be like a draw or like a good eight. But this match, actually, Bournemouth took away the three points. Then we move on to Spurs versus Everton, which I thought this match was a draw, or would would be a draw, and it finished Spurs two, Everton one. Then we move on to the game of the weekend, well, the game, the big game that week, should we say, which was. Liverpool versus Arsenal. I obviously go for Liverpool because that's my team who I support. And I'm always going to pick them no matter who they face. And this one I thought would be would have been, I wouldn't say an easier match than maybe some other matches that they've had the past couple of weeks. But I thought this one should have been one that they should have been able to walk away with the three points. But we will get into some of this game as well. It's because there are talking points in this one. So Liverpool, so Arsenal took the lead after four minutes. Then Liverpool went on in the game to equalise. But then two talking points. The biggest talking point of the game, 
and not just of the game but also probably one of the biggest ones of the weekend as well was Martin Odegaard had according to VAR had slipped and controlled the ball with his hand and his hand was in a natural position while falling however on the replay that it showed even in even in normal speed it looks a stonewall penalty stonewall as you like he literally handled it as he was falling but he didn't fall he was his two feet were planted on the grass on the pitch he he, he almost had slipped but he kept his balance but he used his hand to touch the ball twice not once but on two separate occasions, making it look as if he bounced the ball. And we do not play basketball in the Premier League. That's another sport altogether. VAR looked at it, says that he'd slipped, his, his hand was in an, a natural position, penalty wasn't given. Then Arsenal thought they should have had a penalty when there was a, a coming together between Trent Alexander-Arnold and... Kai Havertz, I believe it was, from what, from memory collection, um, and it was just the fact that Trent was a bit, was too was a bit too too stronger than him, and he muscled him off the ball. He thought he Havertz thought he should have had a penalty, wasn't given. And when Sky Sports obviously talked to the referee, you know, next referee Donald Gallagher and stuff at the start of the week and things like that, whenever he comes on, discuss the big talking points. The Havertz one he agreed with wasn't a penalty. He understood why VR may not have went to the uh, to to basically say that you know all the schools shouldn't have stood blah blah blah. But he also couldn't understand as well why it wasn't given as a penalty because it did stop the ball in motion. As Salah had tried to take it past Odegaard, and Odegaard put his hand out, he outstretched his his arm out because that's where his arm was. He didn't slip, he didn't fall, and that's the bit that annoyed me most was because they were saying that he slipped, he didn't. If you slip, you're literally off the ground, or your balance is lost. His balance was pretty good. He was lower down to the ground because Sal had turned him pretty much inside out. And as Salah was trying to bring the ball back away, Odegaard's arm came out, hit the ball twice. Referee says no penalty. And that. Now, I'm going to talk about another penalty incident as well. And I'm going to talk about this in this incident because this is one that really, really irritates me. So in the Everton game versus Manchester City, which is coming up in the next set of fixtures, which I'm going to talk about, there was a point in the game. So Everton went, so basically the scores were at one each at the time. Man City were awarded a penalty. Now, these are the ones that annoy me most because your arm, to me, now, yes, the player wasn't, he was quite close to the play to the ball the only thing is and this is what irritates me most the ball as the player comes in he makes he makes a tackle to block it but the ball hits basically between his armpit and the shirt sleeve portion of the arm now 
going back about three seasons ago, I think it was now, whenever Man City had put Liverpool to the title by a point, where Rodri had handled it by outstretching his arm, but they say that his sleeve portion of the shirt was what saved it not being a penalty. So why is this being given as a penalty when it was a sleeve portion of the shirt that the ball had touched? Not his arm. His arm was, to me, his arm is in a natural sliding position. Because when you make a slide tackle, your, your arms are going, sometimes your arms might be all over the place. But his arm was in a sliding natural position. His arm comes out, goes, it goes up, the ball hits him between the armpit and the arm. And that, as in the, where the shirt sleeve bit is, and the linesman had flagged for the penalty, not the referee, because the Man City players had surrounded the referee, hounded the referee to point to the spot because it, they thought it was a straight penalty. But even when you see it in slow motion, it's worse. As in, it should never have been given as a penalty in, in my mind because it's, it's not. Was it a handball? No. It wasn't a handball, not to me. Why VAR didn't intervene and say, like, look, you need to see this again? Because he just pointed a spot and the linesman was the one that gave it. The referee didn't even actually say it. It was the linesman that gave it. So why didn't the VAR say, like, look, you need to look at this again? Because that was one that you should look at again. Do you know what I mean? But penalty was given, City scored it. And that was the turning point. That was one of the turning points in the match. But we will get into that after this set of fixtures are gone. So as I say, Liverpool finished one each against Arsenal. Moving on to the well Wolves versus Chelsea, which I predicted a home win because Chelsea's form has been so inconsistent this season. And that with the money that they've spent, you would have honestly thought that they should have actually been higher in the league than they actually are. Um, and they are obviously not. But then we move on to Palace versus Brighton. I picked this match to be an away win, and this game actually turned out to be a draw. Then we move into, as I say, the Boxing Day fixtures as well. So Boxing Day fixtures were as follows. Newcastle versus Forest, Bournemouth versus Fulham, Sheffield United versus Luton. Burnley versus Liverpool and Manchester United versus Aston Villa at Old Trafford. Then, obviously, moving on to the 27th, you had Brentford versus Wolves, Chelsea versus, sorry, Brentford versus, let me see, two seconds because it goes down. That's not Wolves. Give me two. So Brentford versus Wolves, Chelsea versus Palace, and then Everton versus Manchester City, which we briefly talked about. Then 28th of December showed Brighton versus Spurs, then Arsenal versus West Ham, and then on the 30th, Luton versus Chelsea, Aston Villa versus Bournemouth, and then... Is that the, yeah, so that would have been the second set of 
new fixtures as such. So we will talk about the Boxing Day fixtures. So Newcastle against Forest, and this one was well. I predict I would have predicted this one being a Newcastle win, considering Newcastle. Okay, Newcastle's form hasn't been great of late, um, but you would have thought Nottingham Forest at home. You would have thought Newcastle would have won this quite comfortably. That wasn't the case because Nottingham Forest walked away with three points and Chris Wood walked away with a hat-trick. Then we move on to Bournemouth versus Fulham. Again, this one could have went either way. I probably would have predicted this one as draw. Um, but Bournemouth were the team that picked up the three points against Fulham. Then we move on to Sheffield United versus Luton. Again, this one, again, a close game, I would have thought. But if I was picking anyone on the form, I would be picking Luton for this game. And it was Luton who walked away with a 3-2 win. Then we move on to Burnley versus Liverpool. And this was a chance for Liverpool to basically go top of the table. And that um, with, because um, obviously you have Arsenal. Arsenal didn't play their next game until was against West Ham, which was on the, which was the next day. So Liverpool had the chance to actually go top, um, and that by if they won against Burnley, which they did, they won two 0 um, but Burnley's keeper did did keep them in the match for a long period of time, and that um with some good saves, and that um, but but, but uh, Burnley did have a couple of chances themselves, like but not many, um, but just couldn't take them, and Liverpool as I say rolled on to win two 0 and top the table. Then we move on to Aston Villa versus Manchester United at Old Trafford. Again, if Villa had won this match, they would have joined Liverpool top of the table. But I would have predicted this. I probably would have predicted this a draw, to be fair. Um, Villa did go into a 2-0 lead in this game. But Manchester United somehow managed to turn it around completely. And they won 3-2 and picked up the three points which meant that Liverpool were still top of the table clearly top of the table then moving into the 27th which was Brentford versus Wolves and uh, again Chelsea against Palace Everton versus Man City and Brentford against Wolves so Brentford's form again hasn't been great Wolves away from home hasn't really been all that great either but so I probably would have predicted this one a draw, but Wolves actually walked away with the three points. Then we move on to Chelsea versus Palace. Again, this is one where you know sometimes you think these matches can be closer than what they actually would be, but this one to me should would, would be nails down a Chelsea home win, which it turned out to be as Chelsea went out victories five four goals in one. Then we move on to Everton versus Manchester City. Again, Everton took the lead. Phil Foden equalised for Manchester City. Manchester City were awarded a penalty uh, for handball, uh, which they scored from. And basically then they went on to win the match 3-1 due to an error from the Everton goalkeeper who went to pass the ball towards one of the Everton players. And it was a poor pass and Bernardo Silva was able to place it in from 25 yards into an empty net and give Manchester City the three points 
Then we move on to, as I say, Brighton versus Spurs. Then Arsenal versus West Ham. And Brighton against Spurs. Again, this was this could have been a close game. I would have predicted probably a draw for this game. Brighton's home form has been good. Spurs, again, over the past couple of matches, have been really up and down with their consistency levels. And that, and it was actually Brighton that took the three points in this game. And it, but the game finished for I think it was four two or four three. I think it finished from from what I can remember. Um, but Brighton were like four 0 up, and Spurs got a couple of goals back, and that which made it an interesting, you know, t sort of time in the game. But Brighton were able to hold on and pick up the three points. Then we move into Arsenal versus West Ham. So many would have had Arsenal down as a home banker to win this because West Ham's form again has been very hit and miss and that they're away from home against Arsenal who who went in to this set of fixtures second. They did start off going top but obviously Liverpool had went top uh, by beating Burnley. But this was Arsenal's chance to take over that top spot again but only with a win. But it was West Ham that walked away with the three points, and which meant that Liverpool would be top of the table going to the new year. Then we have Luton versus Chelsea on the 30th, Aston Villa versus Burnley, Palace versus Brentford, Man City versus Sheffield United. And Wolves versus Everton, Forest versus Manchester United, as well. So we start off with Luton versus Chelsea again, a very close game. And that uh, again, I probably would have put this down, probably categorically in Chelsea's favour. Even though Luton's form has actually been, the performance levels have been really good at home. I thought Chelsea, you know, might just edge it. And they did, and they were able to pick up the three points. Then Aston Villa versus Burnley, again, again, I thought this match should be basically a home banker. Um, Aston Villa, you know, did pick up the win, but in a very close game, and there was also, you know, calls for an Aston Villa player to be sent off as well in this game, but it didn't happen, and Aston Villa were able to go away with three points. Uh, basically going joint second, well sorry, joint top at the table, but obviously Liverpool still had the game in hand, which was obviously against, which would have been, which was against Newcastle, which is on, obviously on New Year's, New Year's Day, and yeah, so then you have Palace versus Brentford, and that which finished home win Palace, which I probably wouldn't have predicted. I probably would have predicted that wouldn't be in a draw because Palace form has been really up and down. Then we move on to Man City versus Sheffield United. Again, another home banker, but a closer game than, than, than thought. You would have thought this is a match where, you know, Man City would be hitting five or six then. It's a game that they normally would hit five or six then, but it finished Manchester City too, Sheffield United nil. Then we move on to Wolves versus Everton. Again, Everton's form of late hasn't been great. They've lost the last three games now. And that, um, but again, at home, you know, well, sorry, Everton away against two Wolves. Again, 
I think I honestly would have believed that predicted that Wolves would win this one, which they did, and they picked up the three points. Now, this next one between Nottingham Forest and Manchester United, I probably would have predicted a draw because the form of both teams haven't been great. But, you know, along the way, United were going to slip up somewhere, somewhere silly again, which they did. Now, Forest took the lead, and then Manchester United equalised after poor uh, communication between Nottingham Forest goalkeeper and defender. And basically, Ganacho stepped in, won the ball, threaded it through to Rashford, and Rashford equalised. Then moments later, Morgan Gibbs White uh, restored Sheffield United's, or sorry, Nottingham Forest's uh, lead to give Nottingham Forest all three points and give Manchester United another defeat. And then we move on to Fulham versus Arsenal. So this match was Arsenal's chance to go back on top of the table, and that um, against Fulham at Craven Cottage. And I probably would have predicted this one to be a draw, to be honest. Arsenal did take the lead in this game, and that threw it back to Saka. Um, then, as I say, Fulham had equalised. And then, with about, you know, sort of half an hour ago or so, Fulham took the lead. And went on to pick up all three points. And Which meant, no matter what the score would be, so you had Spurs against Bournemouth as well, which again I would have probably predicted the Spurs win. It's at home, and that and Spurs won the game, three goals to one. And then we move on to the first Premier League fixture of 2024, which was a firecracker of a match, which between Liverpool and Newcastle I predicted a Liverpool win. Probably should have been a lot easier than what was thought. And um, Liverpool did pamper Newcastle quite a bit in the game. Um, Liverpool did take the lead. It wasn't until the second half when we got the goals um, through Mohamed Salah uh, after Darwin Nunes uh, set up. Then Newcastle equalised moments later uh, through Alexander Isak uh, with a nicely worked goal as well, just after a substitution, by the way, and then as well. And then you also had Liverpool basically restored the lead now, that Liverpool did have a penalty, actually, in the first half, which Mohamed Salah um, had seen saved. We have seen Salah putting the ball in the back of the net, you know, down the middle quite on quite a numerous occasions. And that's probably why De Bracca didn't move, because he knew that that was where Salah was going to go, and that's where he did. But then we move on to Liverpool's second goal, which was scored by... What's it? I just want to make sure they're right here. So, Liverpool's second goal was scored by Curtis Jones, and that after a good work by Diego Jota as he came on as a second half substitute. And that then Cody Gakpo had made it 3 1. Then Newcastle had pulled that goal back through Sven Botman from a corner. Then Liverpool went up the other end. And got another penalty through as Jota was actually cleared through on goal. And that where had he stayed on his feet, he probably could have scored himself as he'd rounded the keeper. But the keeper had actually made slight contact. And that and it was enough to warrant them to go down. And that VAR did take a look at it. The referee had judged that it was a penalty because he'd seen 
in his position, he'd seen that there was no contact for Jada to go down. Jada went down, got the penalty, Salah stepped up to score his 151st Liverpool goal. And, that, and to make the score Liverpool 4, Newcastle United 2, Liverpool top of the tree after the year. Now, Manchester City do have a game in hand over Liverpool and over 17 other teams, sorry, 18 other teams, because obviously their game against Bournemouth was postponed. Or was it Bradford? Bradford? Bradford, I think it was. Um, yeah, so their game against Brentford um, had obviously been postponed because of their goings-on in the World Club Championship. But Man City have a game in hand, so even if they do win that, they'll still be two points behind Liverpool. And that, we, Liverpool have played 20 games now. So we are actually just over halfway. So we are, so we have got 18 games left to go in the Premier League. We have Villa, Liverpool on 45 top with 45 points. Aston Villa second with 42 points. Manchester City third with a game in hand with 40 points. Arsenal sitting fourth with 40 points. Spurs sitting fifth, sorry, 20 with 39 points. West Ham 33 on their sixth. Manchester United seventh with 31 points. Uh, Brighton in 8th with 30 points, Newcastle 9th um, on 29 points, Chelsea 10th on 28 points, Wolves uh, 11th with again 28 points, so there is room there between the sort of top, you know, from the bottom, from from fifth, from 4th down, or you could even say from 2nd down to be fair, because even like if Villa had were to lose their next game and Spurs win their next game, Spurs would go level on points with Villa. Do you know what I mean? So, and the, the next set of fixtures, um, you know, coming up and things like that, like Liverpool's next set of fixtures, and that obviously you've got the Carabao Cup coming up, you've got the FA Cup coming up as well, which which we will get into as well about. So you've got Liverpool. Uh, I think they play on Sunday again on the 14th, I think it is. Let me see. Or it might be even the 15th. Let me see. No, it might actually be a Saturday. Which is a bit weird. Let me see. Um, it's not Monday. I just checked Sunday. No, it's not. Must be. No. All right. Oh, unless. Okay, so. Let me see. Okay, so Saturday the 13th and 14th, there must be splitting up matches to give, you know, to, you know, some team, you know, teams a rest as such over the festive, you know, end of the new after January and stuff. Because obviously Liverpool play in the Carabao Cup, which they play on, on the 10th against Fulham. So it's a two-legged semi-final. So its first leg is at Anfield, but then Liverpool don't play anybody over the weekend. So the Premier League games over that weekend, which is of the which is of the thirteenth and fourteenth. So on the Saturday, Chelsea play Fulham 
and Newcastle play Manchester City. That are the two games on Saturday. Then on Sunday, it's Everton against Aston Villa. And Manchester United versus Spurs. And that's on the Sunday. Then the following weekend, you would probably have again, you know, so you've got Arsenal versus Palace, Brentford versus Nottingham Forest. Then on Sunday, you have in the Premier League, you have Southampton versus West Ham, and then Bournemouth versus Liverpool. So Bournemouth is Liverpool's next fixture, which you would expect Liverpool to pick up the three points, but again, it's not going to be an easy match. So we will not do the set of predictions for the Premier League matches for that week until the next episode, which will be next week. So as things stand, you've got Liverpool top of the table, three points clear of Aston Villa with the same games played. Aston Villa again in second spot. Manchester City in third spot. Arsenal have fallen down to fourth spot after the past couple of matches that they've had. So, so going into that next set of fixtures, so obviously now West Ham play Brighton today. So I will give you the result of that one when I do the next recording, which will be next week. Then we have some highlighted FA Cup third round ties, which again ha are happening from Thursday right through until the Monday. So these some of these are Saturday. I'll I will say what day they are they are so that you can keep track on them. Sunderland versus Newcastle, time we are Derby. No matter what division Sunderland are in compared to Newcastle and things like that, it's always a big game. I can see this one being close close to selling, you would think, because the last time that these two teams met would have been a couple of seasons ago at least. That's a Saturday match. Do I have any predictions for that one? Depends on the team Newcastle want to put out. I think that's what it depends on. Um, but if Sunderland get an early goal, that could be the key there. So could it be a draw and could you get a replay out of it? Well, that's another thing as well. So, but I'm going to predict Newcastle to take the win from that third round tie. Then we have Millwall versus Leicester City. Um, which I do think because Leicester, obviously top of the championship, and that, um, I would predict Leicester City to um, to go through. Then you've got Spurs against Burnley, which is on Friday, an all-Premier League match. Depending on how Spurs want to go for a trophy, and that they would field out a strong team, or as strong as possible. Can I see Burnley getting an upset here? Potentially. Again, depending on you know whether they you know want to you know sort of for the Premier League for survival and that, but why not? You're in a cup competition, go for it. So I can see Burnley maybe getting this something, but. Depending on how Spurs want to take this, it could be a Spurs win. So, I'm going to go Spurs win, but don't be surprised if Burnley get an upset. Brentford versus Wolves, again another all Premier League match, which again is actually on Friday as well. 
this one's going to be close. But I would have to give the edge here to Brentford being the home team and not being in the cup. So I'm going to say Brentford. But Wolves do have some pedigree in this competition. So don't be surprised if Wolves sneak past this as well. Palace versus Everton. Now this one's a 31. Another all Premier League fixture. There's actually quite a few all Premier League fixtures in the third round. Which is actually quite, it's quite surprising. Because you don't really see as many of that. Sometimes you see a lot of championship teams. You know against the Premier League team and things like that. But, or at least one team. But this one's got quite a lot of Premier League. And we haven't even saved the best one yet. So like I say, Palace against Everton Thursday. This one, I can see Everton getting it. But it's Palace at home. It's Palace, they're the home team, going against Everton. I can see Everton getting through. But I can also see Palace getting through. But I'm going to give this one to Everton. Now this is the tie of the third round for me. Arsenal versus Liverpool. So it's first it's so it's third in the league. Sorry, fourth in the league, Arsenal versus top of the table, Liverpool. It's on Sunday. Again, Liverpool are going to be out without Mohamed Salah and Endo because they're both away to Salah's away to the African Cup of Nations and Endo is away to the Asian Cup with Japan. So it's going to be an interesting sort of you know to see who to see basically what managers are going to favour this match because it's one that they'll want to take seriously that's for sure but just how seriously they're going to take it because we know that there's going to be you know obviously the, the you know they don't have any premier league match for two weeks so they've got plenty of rest liverpool yes we know they're in the Carabao cup semi-finals during the week so they're going to have to you know keep some fresh legs for that as well so this is where squad rotation comes into it as well so but I can see Liverpool getting through from this, depending on what type of team they put out. But I would want, I, as a Liverpool supporter, I want, I would want Klopp to put out the best and feasible team that he can put out against Arsenal, knowing that you've got the Carabao Cup coming up during the week, which is on Wednesday. So, with that in mind, he has to think. So, but I can still see Liverpool getting through. Stoke versus Brighton on Saturday. So this is Championship. Versus, let me double check. I can't remember if Stoke are in the championship now or League One. Let me double check. So, Yep, so Stoke are in the championship. So Stoke in the championship against Brighton at home. So, and I and I can. I'd like to say I could see Stoke getting through because I like I like a sort of like a bit of an underdog story from a championship team beating a Premier League team and things like that. So Stoke against Brighton. I would say Brighton would have too much for them, and I really do think that. But Stoke on their day at, at Stoke. I will go for Brighton. I'm going with my head, not my heart. I'm going with my head, Brighton. 
but in my heart I think Stoke could win it as well. Then we go on to Wigan versus Manchester United. Now we know from a few seasons ago that Man City, whenever they thought they were going to go for all four trophies, and that a few years ago, and it was Wigan who actually put Manchester City out, thanks to a Northern Ireland striker that they had in their ranks. Couldn't I do the same with Manchester United on Monday night? That would, would it be a shock if Wigan put Manchester United out? No, yes and no. Yes, because Manchester United are a Premier League team. You know, they're still sitting, you know, in the top eight in the Premier League. Wigan, oh, you know, obviously they're away to Wigan. It's not an easy place to go to no matter what team they're going to put out. But you would fancy Manchester United in this, but I'm going to go with my heart in this one and say Wigan for the win. So then we move on to... The Carabao Cup um, semi-finals. So we have Middlesbrough versus Chelsea. First leg at Burr. Then Liverpool versus Fulham the following day. Uh, both two-legged matches. Then the second leg will be reversed. Um, people ask, do away goals carry in this? I don't think so. I think it's just an aggregate score. So if Burr were to beat Chelsea 2-1 and Liverpool were to beat Liverpool beat Fulham 3-1 but yet Fulham were to win 2-0 would that put Fulham through because of the away goals? I don't think so. I don't think the away goals carry in the League Cup and not the way they used to in the Champions League and stuff like that. So I think this is just two-legged matches. So if Liverpool win 2-0 and then Fulham win 1-0 Liverpool will go through 2-1 in aggregate. If Burr were to do the same, same story. So that does conclude the football chat as such. Um, yep, so that doesn't conclude the football chat, but I will do a special mention at the end of the show. So basically, I did say a few weeks back that when I got to the halfway point, I would talk about special mentions to teams, players, and, that, and I will do that at the end of this episode after I review um, Raw from day one of Raw which was a really good show um, but also I want to sort of briefly talk about Slight preview of this SmackDown as such because we are heading into the first SmackDown of the year. We did get announced last week on SmackDown that there would be a triple threat match for this week on SmackDown 
that would take place to determine the number one contendership for the WWE Universal Championship match between whoever it's going to be facing against Roman Reigns. So you're going to have LA Knight versus Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. Triple threat match. Basically winner take all. Whoever wins it goes to the Royal Rumble. Takes on Roman Reigns. Who now if it was me if it was me who I mean the returning AJ Styles for one. Obviously Orton's been out for longer. LA Knight has had a top year, but without winning anything. The fans are behind him, the fans are behind Orton. AJ Styles seems to be turning the corner a bit as in turn potentially heel again. So are we going down that route again? You know, as to is it going to be LA Knight? Did we give LA Knight another go against Roman Reigns? Because I don't I can't see Roman Reigns losing it at the Rumble. But I can see him losing it as well. Because there's something that happened on day one of Raw, which I will talk about on this podcast because this episode of the podcast won't be put out until Thursday so it's already had 48 hours spoiler alert message gone completely from it so I will talk about what happened on, on Raw a wee bit and a bit after I've talked about briefly about this so something that happened on day one of Raw which could lead to something potential at Wrestlemania some may know what it is but some may not. There has been a rumour for quite some time that this match could happen and could happen at WrestleMania and probably will happen at WrestleMania. But the question is, will it happen for the championship or will it happen in a non-title singles match? To me, to make it worthwhile and make it worth anything, it needs to have the championship on the line. Now, people will say, like even when you had John Cena against said superstar, that, you know, now that the championship was on the line. But, you know, you don't. sometimes you don't have to have that big of a match just to, with it, without a championship on the line. You look at the Civil War bloodline, you look there whenever that was a main event match of a premier of a premium live event match with the champion being there without it being on the line. So you can have it a main event match like that or a big caliber match without a title on the line like that. So with that being said, we will talk about day one. We will come back to what's going to happen this week on SmackDown. So we will kick things off, as I say, from Raw day one with Becky Lynch versus Nia Jax. Now, this match was five years in the making. So five years ago, Nia Jax was a part of Team Raw. Becky Lynch was a team part of Team SmackDown coming in their Survivor Series. When... Becky Lynch had her nose broke at the hands of Nia Jax. 
when Nijax had header with a right hand. Then we moved into this match. Again, a very physical match, which we knew it was going to be a very personal match. But I think some, I think it, this would sum it up kind of quite well. It kind of leaves more questions than answers to see what way they go with this now. So you've had the match, first time ever match between these two. Five years in the making. It was Becky Lynch that wanted this match because of what had happened. Becky Lynch called Nia Jax out. Match was made. Day one. But it was Nia Jax that took away the win. What happened was Becky. So towards the match, Becky Lynch got a bit, bit bloodied, and that Nia Jax. Becky, Becky Lynch went to went to go to the top. She went to come down. Nia Jax. Punched her square right in the chin. Looks as if it knocked her out cold. Then, she, then Nia Jax hit her with the annihilator for the three count and a big win over big time Bex. As I say, it kind of does leave more questions than answers. In a sense, are they going to push Nia Jax now to become a number one contender for Rhea Ripley's championship? You've got the you've got the Royal Rumble coming up. Could she be one of the favourites going into the Royal Rumble? Who knows? Will she be Rhea Ripley's next challenger? Is basically the question now, because that is a big win against big time backs. So then we had Cody Rhodes come out, basically wanting Shinsuke to come out face him. Tonight on Raw. Didn't happen. Shinsuke Nakamura basically says that, oh no, Cody, you have to wait. You have to wait till next week. So next week on Raw, the same Monday night from Portland, Oregon, that CM Punk will make his return as well. You will have Cody Rhodes versus Shinsuke Nakamura, one on one. Then moving on into the next match, which was made as Kofi Kingston versus Jay Uso versus Imperium. So this was basically based off the the Christmas episode of Raw where we had JSO uh, facing against uh, Ludwig Kaiser from Imperium in one on one match. Then you had obviously Kofi Kingston had came out and stuff because obviously he got attacked and stuff from Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser before the match kind of started sort of thing so that's why Jews Jews went one on one with them and then this is how this match led into a tag team match match started off both teams going out of the wee bit but then as Kofi Kingston kind of went to hit a drop kick on Giovanni Vinci he looks as if he fell awkwardly and hit his head off the mat quite hard so don't know if it's a percussion you know, if it's a concussion that he's got, so as a precaution, the doctors that came out, referee called the match as it was, that the winners would be Kofi Kingston and JSO due to referee stoppage. And that, but we just hope that Giovanni Vinci is okay. And that, so thoughts go with him and that as well. 
then we move to an, an impromptu match which was made with our truth coming out sorry with the Miz coming out first to bring out the judgment day on Miz TV so as the Miz was introducing judgment day to the ring the music changed our truth came out Miz said the our truth was like truth what are you doing you're not in the judgment day then truth was like but i but i beat jd in the 34th street christmas match type of thing that they had on on raw and it was like you know loser leaves leaves judgment day kind of thing and the fact that our truth won jd as in jordan Depp, jordan jd mcdonough was to have left judgment day but they seen it as more of a joke than anything next thing as Archer kept going on and on saying about how he thought he was in the judgment day then you had dirty dom and jd come out basically talking trying to talk without the crowd booing them every time dirty dom was on the mic which i thought was hilarious and that and then our truth and Miz playing about and then setting up the tag team match which would be straight after the interval then match started then as Miz basically said for, for as a as a reunion as a reunion match it would be the awesome truth as in the Miz and our truth versus jd mcdonough and dirty Dom of the judge for judgment of judgment day in which was a good it was a fun match it was a good match and and i say but it was our truth and Miz with the w then we move on to the women's world championship match between rhea ripley and ivy nile of diamond mine which was a really really good match really impressed with ivy nile that's the first time i've seen her on raw wrestle on raw seen her on nxt and that and she looks always look good on nxt as well but on raw she showed what she's all about and that's just power she's strength she's quickness she's agile and that she gave Rhea Ripley a good run for her money but Rhea Ripley doing what mommy always does picking up the win she hit Ivy Nile with Riptide and one two three still the world women's world champion then we move on to the announcement that the world was waiting for so we heard from triple h during the week that there would be a former wwe champion returning to day one and that former champion turned out to be none other you've guessed it jinder mahal yes that is right you heard correct the modern day maharaja jinder day mahal so he came out basically to the ring to booze to crowd chanting different things at him come to the ring it's like well you booing did you expect someone else i am a former wwe champion because he because that's what he is but as he came out dissed the crowd a bit and uh and you kind of thought something was going to happen here to be fair and uh but none other 
then the people's champion, The Rock, had showed up, came to the ring, you know, gave him a wee bit of a wee bit of mountain back to Jinder Mahal, and that two of them locked up in bed. Jinder Mahal put a wee beat down on The Rock. Rock came back, hit him with a spine on the pine buster, people's elbow, chucked him out of the ring, threw his belt down at him, said to the crowd, it's like about going out for something to eat and saying about should I sit at a booth? He's like, no, nah. like, should I sit at the bar? He's like, I like a bar. Or wait for it. Wait for it. Or should I sit at the head of the table? And we all know what that means. Because who sits at the head of the table at the minute, bar, bar yours truly? The Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. Well, WWE's Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, should I say. So he sits at the head of the table. So is Rock calling Roman out. Will Roman answer to that call on SmackDown? Knowing what was said on Monday Raw? We will find out this week. On Friday with what Roman has to say about what happens. Then we move on to women's tag team match between Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark versus Tegan Knox and Natalia and in a match with Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark picking up the W. Then we move on to the main event of the evening which was for the WWE World heavyweight championship between champion Seth Rollins and challenger the Scottish warrior Drew McIntyre and what was a really really good match very very back and forth could have went either way then we had Damian Priest coming to the ring with a referee with the briefcase, with Rhea Ripley in tow. Or was it Dominic in tow? I think it was, I might have been so. I know both of them were there, because Dominic was there. Priest was there. Mommy was there. Because Mommy distracted the referee. And then Priest went to go, Priest hit Seth Rollins with the briefcase straight in the head. Drew McIntyre laid Damien Priest out with a Claymore ringside and took care of Dirty Dom with a belly to belly. Went into the ring, was trying to tell Seth they got up. Claymore kicked to Seth Rollins. One, two, referee seen that Seth Rollins' foot was on the rope due to the way that Drew McIntyre threw Seth's feet over him. And they landed, one of them landed on the rope and the referee had just seen it. And that before he was about to count for three. Then Drew was raging. He was flaming. He thought he had the match won. Then all of a sudden, as I say, you know, Seth had got back up. Drew had pulled Seth out of the ring, set him up to the table, was going to put him through with a running power slam. Seth countered it, pedigree on the table, threw Drew back into the ring. And hit him with the, the curb stomp. One, two, three. 
the winner and still the world heavyweight champion Seth freaking Rollins so that does conclude the Raw review as I said we do have Smackdown coming up this week where we will determine the number one contender after the tournament for the United States Championship you have the Kevin Owens versus Santos Escobar and what's going to be a really really good match the winner of that takes on the Maverick Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble which will be a good match now if I was predicting someone for the win in that match to take on Logan Paul who would it be my money would be on Kevin Owens but don't roll out Santos Escobar but I think Kevin Owens suits the match better because the type of styles that Kevin Owens would have with what the Maverick Logan Paul has are two very different styles and you want that in a match sometimes having the two similar styles of match Santos Escobar can be a bit of high flying very luchador base Logan Paul can match it with anyone in the ring doesn't seem to phase him doesn't matter who's in he's in the ring with he's any match he's been good at he always seems it seems like he get he seems to get better in each match that he has and that's one of the reasons why they probably put this title on as well not just for for popularity type of thing but for that reason as well you know okay yes he's not maybe defending it as much as what someone some others would, would but the fact that he's carrying that title as well so but will he lose the rumble you know will he lose his title to kevin owens if kevin owens goes for it i wouldn't be surprised but i wouldn't be surprised if he held on to it as well so but prediction now this is a long shot and i'm going to write it down because i think this is a possibility of happening so i'm going to predict so kevin owens to, to win the number one contender battle royal sorry number one contender tournament to take on logan paul for the united states championship but i'm going to predict logan paul to retain it for the simple reason being now we know obviously money in the bank ladder sort of premium event's going to come up soon we know that but i always love having wrestlemania and having like a wrestlemania ladder match now they'll probably hold that but i'm in the bank but i would rather have wrestlemania ladder match for the united states championship but in a six person ladder match not eight the way they would sometimes do like a money in the bank ladder match would have do it but for this one i would have a six person so prediction of a six person ladder match ladder because depending on circumstances this is who i would have for the United States Championship. So you would obviously have Logan Paul. You would have I would go as far as Kevin Owens again. Because he's good with ladders. I would have Obviously, he's on Raw now more so than anything. Um, 
I would have, let's see, because you don't want the same matches all the time. Do you know what I mean? So to mix it up, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say Carmelo Hayes. And for those who haven't checked out his work on NXT or even the one of the matches, the match against Kevin Owens in this tournament, you'll see why I'm saying Carmelo Hayes. So Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, Carmelo Hayes. Depending on circumstances, Rey Mysterio. Now, when I say circumstances, because we do know he has surgery, don't know when his timetable is for coming back. If it's before WrestleMania, this would be perfect. Ladder match, perfect. So we've got Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, Carmelo Hayes, Rey Mysterio. Two others to put into this. Who would you think would be best suited for ladder match? I would say Ricochet, but he's on Raw. I'm trying to almost keep this to a SmackDown base because the United States Championship is on SmackDown. Ricochet with a United States Championship, he has held it before. You know, could Sami Zayn throw himself into the hat in this? If he was to come back, win the United States Championship, why not? But because he's been in the contendership before for the, for the big championship, would this be seen as a step down for Sami Zayn? No, I would never call the United States Championship a step down. Holding any championship in a WWE is always a step up, no matter what championship it is, because you're a champion. It's as simple as that. If you're a tag champion, you're a tag champion. You're a champion. If you're a United States championship champion, you're a United States champion. Intercontinental championship. I mean, some of the greatest of all time have held the Intercontinental Championship. Gunther, who's, hold, who's got hold of it already, he's the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion in history. So I'm going to throw Sami Zayn's name into the hat just for interest. Now, one more person who I would throw into this. And I would throw into this because you've got Sami Zayn, Rey Mysterio, Kevin Owens, Carmelo Hayes, Logan Paul, and you know something? Just for the sake of it, and because he's growing, I would say he's not just grew on me for a while, but he's been one of the best, some sort of you know good character turned heel. But he's so good at being a heel, and that's Dom, Dirty Dom. I would throw him into this as well, because I think he's deserved it. I really do. I think he's deserved this shot. If they were going to book a six-man ladder match for the United States Championship, this is the way I would book it: Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, Carmelo Hayes, Rey Mysterio, Effie's back, Sami Zayn and Dirty Don. If Rey Mysterio wasn't fit enough to come back as such yet, there's only one person I would put into that. And, with, and that, my friends, if he's not the Universal Champion by then, I would be putting in the Megastar. 
L.A. Knight. Yeah. And if he was going to be in it, I would give him the championship. So if Ray wasn't in it, put L.A. Knight. Yeah. So that's a bit of a prediction going into potentially what could happen for a WrestleMania match. Now, near the time, I'm going to do a fantasy booking episode. So if you were booking, so basically coming up to WrestleMania season, so we're still at the Royal Rumble stage of things. And speaking of Royal Rumbles as well, before this episode finishes, I've got some exciting news, folks. It's groundbreaking. It's earth shattering. For the first time in OTT history, OTT being over the top wrestling, which is the Irish promotion, which is a European promotion and the best in Europe, is running its first ever local rumble, which is basically a Royal Rumble event with matches thrown on top of it. Sammy D will be taking on Trent Seven for the OTT World Heavyweight Championship in which Sammy D will be retaining. Then we will have the local Rumble event where it's 30 person over the top rope. The winner, whoever that may be, goes on to Scrapper Mania to take on either the women's OTT champion or the men's OTT world heavyweight champion and folks just for those who don't want to be let down it has already been sold out but if you're looking to get tickets for it and not check event pages and things like that on facebook where if it's a ticket thread and if people are maybe not able to go to the event anymore or somebody's willing to sell a ticket for whatever reason check out that page it is on facebook but folks it is almost time for me to close out the first episode of the golden nugget of the year now like i say we will have some big announcements to make over the course of the year we will have guests you'll have guest appearances coming up very very soon in the near future we will have some news coming out about new merchandise for the golden one, the golden nugget, coming out very, very soon as well. Now, folks, as always, you know what to do. So, on socials, Facebook, Rob Gold, Twitter, slash X, Rob Gold, TikTok, Robert the Great with two hits, then Gmail. Golden one Rob Gold spelled G O U L D E N O N E R O B G O U L D at gmail.com. And folks, that is not going to do it because we have got something planned. So, as I was going to talk about the, the special football episode that I have which we were going to be talking about halfway through the season so basically we know that Liverpool are top of the table going in to a new year they finished top 
on New Year's Day. Three points clear. Of Aston Villa, who's sitting second. Manchester City third, but five points off the top, but with a game in hand. But you have to win the game in hand first to get to this. So, as things stand, Liverpool top. Things could change, but Liverpool are top at New Year's Day. So special, but special shout goes to. So my pick for for the team for the surprise package team, should I say, is actually Aston Villa. Did I see Aston Villa as being a potential of a team to be anywhere near the top four? No, but their home form and surprise wins away from home is what put them where they are today. Because you remember a few weeks ago, they beat Spurs away from home. That was a big win for them. Big, big win for them. Because Spurs were on a good run of form up until then. Liverpool, again, have only been beaten once this season. And again, in a game that they shouldn't have been beaten. And to me, and not just to me, but to others as well. Liverpool should be further ahead in the table. Like points-wise. They're already top by three points. But they should be further ahead they should be further ahead because of a few reasons var is one of them pgmol is another one because the pgmol they're the ones that basically do the referees and do the officials they're the ones that say this is who we're choosing this is who we're picking for this match that match but what really grinds Liverpool supporters up this season has been the way VAR has been this season against Liverpool. So we should have had a penalty against Chelsea at the start of the season, which wasn't given. We should have had, obviously, the penalty against Arsenal, which wasn't given for a deliberate handball. I don't care what VAR said. I don't care what the PGM will say about this. This was as clear as daylight. The fact he's put his arm so far away from his body, and his ha the ball is ha his hand. It's not even his arm, it's his hand. And he's controlling it with his hand like. It's like people would say that's a great save by a goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? That's how low down he was. That's the, the arm is so far the hand is so far away from his body where the ball was. The ball was touching the ground. Do you know what I mean? Then you have obviously the goal against Spurs, which was chalked off for offside, which was clearly not. VAR had thought that the goal had been given, that's why they said about the restart. But this is what annoyed me about this after the game against Liverpool had against Crystal Palace. So Crystal Palace against Liverpool, Palace went up, went to, went 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 all up through a penalty. Now the penalty itself, okay, wasn't should it have been awarded straight away? Maybe. Now the now the thing about it is I was always on the assumption that the ball had to go out of play before a referee was called to stop the game. That was my, that's what I was always thought of. But the referee had stopped the game when the ball was still in play and Liverpool had it for nearly about two minutes after the original call was made or after the original sort of, you know, action had happened. Two minutes. Because VAR had still, were still saying that they were still checking this penalty. Now, if it takes someone so long to check it, they should be basically saying it's not clear and obvious. If it's taking you that long, it's not a clear and obvious error. 
But as soon as the referee was called the, mon the monitor, the referee had pointed to this spot. Now, if it's taken someone two minutes to look at them, to look at different angles, the nut is not clear and obvious. I want to get the right decision first time around. I would want them to take 30 seconds to a minute. If they get it, if they get this decision right, perfect, sweet, grand, good. If it takes them six minutes to get a decision right, when they look at VAR, from the original decision, looking at it so often in the VAR hub, I would rather it took them that length of time to get the decision right. If it's inconclusive, then you can't call it. That's fine. And I, I'd be okay with that. Even if it was, a, if, even if it was meant to be a decision horrible, and it took them so, so long, if it was inconclusive, then yeah, then you have to call it for what it is. But to call it like that two minutes afterwards, when it was so, it was debatable. Like he came through the platform, but he did get some part of the ball, but he got part of the person through. But the fact that the Palace player threw himself to the ground, that's what threw me off a bit as well. There wasn't, it was a minimal contact. But it was the fact that the play had stopped. The referee had called the play to stop because VAR said, you want, you may want to take a look at this. So the referee, Liverpool were in possession of the ball. The referee had stopped the game, went to VAR, the screen checked it, gave the penalty. This palace had scored, Liverpool had to restart. But that was from when the ball was in open play. But I thought that the ball was supposed to go out of play for the referee to be one minute and getting something in my ear here and there might be a penalty check, blah, blah, blah. But no, referee had stopped the game. I didn't think they could do that. And that's what annoyed Liverpool fans that day and in the game against Spurs because now the people are saying, it's like, well, why didn't the referee had stopped the game once, once they figured out that they were in the wrong? They still had the time to fix it. It took them two minutes to figure out the Palace penalty. But yet, they knew their mistake straight away, but yet they still couldn't call because it had restarted. But the referee has had the right to basically stop the match and say, look, I'm getting in a call in my ear here that the school here wasn't offside. And then all he needs to do is basically be shown the pictures and say, okay, goal given. That's all it need, needed to do. That's a case of 30 seconds a minute, and that would have fixed the whole thing. Of course, a referee can stop the game at any time he wants. But he, for me, he chose not to. They should never, they should never have been allowed to officiate a game of football after that. Whoever was doing the refereeing, whoever it was in the VAR hub, should never be allowed to officiate a Liverpool game as long as they live. Because that, that, between that one and the Arsenal penalty, that's the biggest bias I've seen in, in a while. We always knew years ago that uh, used to be, officials used to be biased towards certain towards the teams, like of Manchester United in the 90s. When they were getting, when, I mean, how long did it take for a penalty to be awarded against Manchester United at Old Trafford? It was a rarity, even though it should have happened a million times over. But it never happened because referees were always too scared to give a penalty at Old Trafford. But now it seems to be a case of like 
it's everyone else versus Liverpool. So Liverpool half the time are going into games against 12 to 13 men, in a sense, because you're going up against a referee, you're going up against either an assistant referee, or you're going up against VAR. Do you know what I mean? You can't win sometimes. And that's, do I blame VAR? No. It's the ones that are in the VAR hub that I put the blame on some of them. Because you're going straight away, penalty. Straight away, handball, penalty, stonewall, penalty, bang. Spot on. VAR, like, handball, say, I didn't. He didn't handball it, he slipped. Where did he slip? Show me the slip. Where did he, where did he lose his footing? He didn't. He stood on his two feet and he handled the ball. His ball, they say, his hand was in a natural position. Bollocks it was. It was never anywhere near. It was so intentional touching the ball to stop Liverpool from going forward. And that should have been a penalty. But, again, so as I say, so surprise package, Aston Villa being as high as they are in the Premier League. Surprise package for being a solo down on the table with the most of money, with, it, with an awful lot of money spent. It's been Chelsea. They have been my biggest disappointment of the season, if I'm honest. Biggest disappointment. Because you kind of expect United to be where they are, in a sense. Because they haven't been great. Chelsea, again, the money that they spent on the players that they brought in. You know, you would have thought they would have been sitting in the top four at least with the money that they spent. The owners probably would be thinking them same, the same self, the same themselves. So, to me, why haven't, why aren't they as high as they are in the Premier League? You know, I mean, you look, you look at the names that they've got on on their team now. You know, you got Cole Palmer, who's just back from suspension, who scored for them recently. You still got Sterling. You got Mudrick, who. On his debut, whenever he played against Liverpool, he'd stand in Anfield. But he just hasn't hit the ground on him. And that, you know, you've got to, you know, the, the back four at Chelsea, in a way, kind of speaks for itself. But now, I, I can't remember whether Kukure is still there or not. But he was like one of Brighton's best players, you know, whenever they were, you know, finishing what, sixth or seventh in the league a couple of seasons back. And that, the two players that they signed in the summer, Okay, yes, and they spent money on them. They're like, well, we want to go to Chelsea because, you know, Chelsea came in from before, blah, blah, blah. Well, should you not be starting to repay them a bit by playing well, by playing better, by, you know, being, you know, the best player that you were? Because, I mean, you played better for Brighton than you did than you have done for Chelsea. And yet you can't turn around and say, oh, this is my first season for Chelsea. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to fit in, fit in. It's like it doesn't take you that long to fit into your team. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's like it's not a new, it's not a new parent, it's not a new league. You know, you've come from Brighton down to Chelsea. You've went from Brighton to go to, to go up to London to go up to Chelsea. Like it's not even a lot far. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you're going to have to be working with different players, but you played with Kukurea before, so he's not new to you. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, it's just all this football talk half the time there's like it's like oh just trying to fit into a new team 
well, that's what training sessions are for. You train with your teammates, you know, type of thing. And then the manager puts, you know, we train and match it together to see who plays well and to see how they play and that. And that's what, that's how it works. But, yeah. But surprisingly, no, I wouldn't say surprisingly, but I think the teams that are down towards the bottom of the table for me this season and that, um, so you have, like I say, the bottom, so the bottom teams at the minute, so you've got Luton in 18th, Burnley 19th, Sheffield United in 20th. I fear more for Sheffield United because I think they're going to be down, I really do. I thought with getting a new manager in and things like that, that they would, you know, that they would have started to play, play well again and get, you know, points on the board again, but they haven't been. I mean, they're already sitting seven points clear of safety. And Luton and Burnley, Luton have actually got a game in hand as well. So they do. So, yeah. Is that, is that, is that, do they play today? I think they I'm not sure if it's today they play. No, it's not. Um, it's West Ham against Brighton. I thought they didn't have a, but they didn't have a game in hand. It's a bit weird. Yeah, so yeah, as I say, I do fear for um I do fear for Sheffield United definitely. Uh, Burnley again they're starting to get a win or two in now, which is about the right time of the season to do it. And that but again, they need to get more wins on the board to try and survive this season. Brantford, um, as I say, they're lurking close to the bottom three. Um, I'm not going to lie. Forest hovering there. Palace hovering, you know, in 14th spot. You know, Fulham just ahead of them. Again, Bournemouth just ahead of them. But... You know, there's still enough time for teams in the bottom to, you know, make a bit of a surge up the table a wee bit, you know, and try and get, you know, away from those teams towards the bottom. You know, you've got Everton on 16 points. Again, they would have actually been on 26 points had they not have been hit with the 10-point deduction. So they, so they're, but they're sitting in 17th spot. Um But yeah, 3, 6, 9, 12, 13, 18, 14, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, and that has a blast in 2024 and folks don't forget i do take in comments and things like that and shares and things like that that um, come this way if you do have any questions or if you do if you would like to comment on the episode and things like that and um, i say the episode goes out on to spotify and onto amazon and that um, and then obviously then i share share them on my socials and that and when i share them on the socials if people would like to comment 
on them as such you know once you know whether they listen to them or whenever they you know they hear them back and things like that because it would mean a lot to me that people engage with it more and things like that so but i want to thank those to, to those who do watch or do listen to this episode and that and again i will be doing a short of this as well on youtube for those to watch on youtube so folks again happy new year to you i hope you have a blast in 2024 and this is the first of many to come this year alone but folks as always i want you to do one thing if you don't already do this and that is to acknowledge me